Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets. Powered by Betsperts, we are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always on Tuesdays, Mr. Matthew Rooney. Andy's over on the Betsperts Golf Channel talking up this week's golf, so hop over on there when you're done here. Hope everybody had a nice long weekend. How about you, Matty? What did you do to uh, celebrate the fourth? Did you blow up any meat? Cut out there for a second. What did I, did you, you asked, did I, I was going to say, I'm sorry. Did you, uh, did you have a nice fourth of July weekend? Did you blow up any meat? Oh, I did not smoke any meat like Andy. Did throw some set some flank straight geez, flank steaks, like big old flank steaks on the grill. Um, or grill and flat top. We got my, my parents' backyard up in our cottage up in Michigan. So I was up there all weekend. Played some golf. Uh did some did some attempted to do some wakeboarding, I should say. Didn't really actually do much of it. It was a whole lot of falling. So the body's a little bit sore this weekend. Whole lot of muscles I'm not used to using, but that's all right. And uh, finish it off going to a White Sox game last night. I might be able to get into that a little bit later with picks. That's, I guess, a tease. But, uh, yeah, pretty good, long 4th of July weekend. It was nice and uh, nice and relaxing. How about yourself? It was pretty good. I found out about a new cut of steak. It's apparently a giant ribeye called a cowboy steak. But it was a ribeye steak, not quite as big as my head, but, like, I'm not really exaggerating with that. Like, it was basically the size, little, almost half the size of my head. That was wonderful. Got to see a bunch of fireworks where we live, um, just outside of Philly. If I go stand in my backyard, there's actually three parks I can see that are shooting off fireworks. So it's, you know, a little bit behind stuff. It was fun watching all that. And I mean, nobody had a better weekend or is feeling it probably more than Mr. Joey Chestnut, arguably the greatest athlete alive at this point. He has won 15 of the last 16 mustard belts. He won by 15 stinking hot dogs, Matt, and even did a little security duty. He won by 15 to 20 whatever hot dogs while choking out a guy on one, like on a bad leg. He had the, he was on crutches. He had like the one leg that they were saying he, you know, had a broken ankle and then screwed up some tendons in it. So like still on crutches. And even then he's, you know, scarfing down 60 hot dogs and choking out a, a protest or whatever that was. Um, that was, I love watching that every year. It's disgusting. It kind of grosses me out. But once a year on the 4th of July, just watching guy, guys and, and gals eat a whole bunch of hot dogs, it's a, uh, I, I didn't bet anything on it. I should have tailed Andy's picks because I think Andy's picks won. I don't know if you saw any of the show on Friday. Andy gave Andy went more in depth on the hot dog competition than he does on <laughs> golf each week. Like it was the last eight minutes of the show was Andy handicapping the hot dog eating competition. It was wildly impressive. I think he won. I know Connor Allen over at the four for four had a had a big prize picks uh, uh, entry hit, so that was fun. I of course That's didn't right. tail them because why would I want to tail winning picks? Uh, but that was that was a lot of fun. Did you bet anything on that? No, I didn't. Um, I was actually out of PA and not in a state where I could use anything like prize picks and poked around. I think I did see some offshores and maybe got a few bucks down, but um, just stuff that I, I laugh at. I did listen to the guys on Friday. I know Andy does a ton of homework. He goes back and watches people and other eating competitions, like scours the internet for stats and stuff. And I think there's a couple other guys that he works with to help him out with some of that stuff. So um, it was fun listening to that handicap. He does. He loves the hot dog contest. What uh, I, I did also, like I said, gets uh, transitioned to some baseball here. Did get to watch some baseball. Did eat a bunch of hot dogs at the baseball game. That was by far the highlight of it, though. Um, the, the white side, uh, no, God, no, I had two, uh, <laughs> with, with a few beers and that was, that was more than enough for me. I don't know. Did, did you dip did in you, the beer? So oh God, no, God, no. I have, have you heard of the, I think it's the, the, the nine, nine, nine challenge baseball games. It's nine hot dogs, nine beers and nine innings. I feel like that is kind of the, 
our version of a hot dog eating contest? Can can you manage that? That would be tough. You would want to make sure you found a game where either like, I guess you'd want a game where there was going to be a lot of runs, so you had longer innings. Yep. Like you, you don't want to look at a pitching matchup and get to get a bad pitching matchup. Two rough pitching right. pitchers. Exactly. Let me get bad pitchers. Let me get into the bullpen pretty quick. Or maybe a bullpen game. That would be great. Ooh, On like two teams really that are nice. doing a bullpen and then you have game. Pitching change every you know, every inning. I like that. I think we you'd also need that. like at, at Sox games they have you know the the nicer hot dog stands. Not like nice, but like they have the ones where they you know they have like big flat top grill with the grilled onions. They have those with like you know the not steamed buns and then they have the hot dog vendors you know wrapped in tin foil with the the steamed buns and the steamed hot dogs are a little bit more compacted i feel like those are the kinds you need the like the you definitely the go with whatever the cheapest hot dog option is yeah you're not we're not putting like you know onions and peppers and mustard no these and all, all gotta be straight no, maybe i mean if you just... want to throw a little mustard on there or ketchup whatever whatever what have you go for it but that's kind of where you have to draw the line just just maybe you have to do them at the same time or can like I no you could do however you want you could chug some you could have nine hot dogs in the bottom of the first inning and your nine hot dogs are gone. All right. We'll work on this some more. We'll have a brown bag bets outing at a baseball game at some <laughs> point and see between the four of us, you, me, Andy, and uh, and Dan, see who can uh, take it down or at least finish the challenge. I'm going to get in some baseball picks, though, before we uh, get too off the oh, That's right. We have actual baseball. Do we we have, have actual today? baseball today. Uh, I do ball? not I believe we have baseball. I, I, you know, so I, I don't think so. I was on uh, – I was t- I was a bit on the fans this morning don't believe, believe we have day baseball tomorrow After we noon. will okay well that's mariners padres at, at four okay so for that's a i mean i guess that's west coast or three day baseball three. so if, if you're out on the west coast that's some day baseball that's a one o'clock local start so if you're if you're out in the west coast and it's 8 30 in the morning and you're waking up with us congratulations um i'm gonna start with max scherzer coming back for the mets tonight he was on the il for for a while uh, he's making his return. Had a really good rehab stint. Um, they're play, they're in Cincinnati playing the Reds, who are one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, the Mets have been after a so-so June, kind of come out better in July. And I think getting Max Scherzer, they're one of their two aces. I should say it's it's hard to say he's not their ace, but they do have Jacob Degrom, who's expected back at some point in the near future. But Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in baseball, big strikeout guy coming back. I think that's going to be a huge boost to that team. And yeah, he's probably going to be on somewhat of a pitch count tonight, but I still think he goes five, six innings. And against a Reds lineup, I think he's going to rack up some strikeouts, and I think the Mets are going to win that one. His over-under is, I believe, said it's seven and a half strikeouts. So that six is a pretty good number there. Just get to six plus. That's you, You're selling a, a strikeout and a half there. Take that. Take the Mets to win. Minus 126, not the greatest juice, but that's fine. We'll take it. And we're taking the Twins money line. We're fading the White Sox full out here. Um I'm done. After last, I don't. Did you see the triple play last night? The the one. Well, I was, was just gonna. I was gonna wait till you were finished. Our I figured out that you could do your picks play. and hopefully have some sanity here. But I mean, no. I guess you're gonna pick sanity. the twins. It's um. I heard about it. I've actually just got a video up right now. I'm gonna watch it happen here. Oh, it's really the first eight five triple play in history. Now, how how does that even? Who who is eight and who is five? Uh, the center fielder to the third baseman. I don't. Did you play baseball at all as a you know little league high school? Oh no. Any, okay. No. Absolutely not. So how do you get a triple been, play with your center fielder and your third baseman? What sort because, of horrible so base running mistakes Sox were had, made? The White Sox had runners on first and second, and A.J. Pollock was up, and he hit a pretty you – know, drove one into the you know, right center uh, to the warning track. It was one that off the bat looked like it might be a gapper, but I, I had a pretty good view on it from my seats, and you could tell that Byron Buxton had a pretty good beat on it, and there was a pretty good chance he was at least going to make it, you know, make it a close play, so runners should be tagging. 
And I don't know what like it looked like Adam Engel, who was the runner on second, was waiting for the oh, tag. No. And then at some point right just now. decides to run. And then Yoan Moncada was already basically at second base for some reason when, when Buxton catches this ball. Engel gets to third and just kind of stops and waits. Moncada's like rounding second already. And the ball goes to third. Engel is tagged. And then the third baseman, like Moncada just doesn't decide to try and run back at all. The third baseman beats Moncada back. So it was um, – That was, was – this something. is insane. Yeah, they didn't think it, he was going to catch the ball, I guess. It is base running that a little league or a high school coach would flip out on their team for, let alone a major league baseball team. I mean, so does the third are, base coach get fired? And I was, it, they didn't, that, they didn't, I, I didn't don't get know, a good I angle of him. I don't know if he was putting up the stop sign or like the let's keep going. The, the, the White Sox third base, for third base coach's name is Joe McEwing. He is one of the more stupidly aggressive third base coaches I've ever seen. He just, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It seems like he gets the emotion caught up and just wants to wave everybody around. Um, how how the base runners, one, aren't paying that uh, close of attention to figure that out, not really sure, not not see the play. You're right. They're but running head down. Like, you think you'd be like – Your base coaches should at least be your, your fail safe. Like, your third base coach has got to be like, hey, no, go. First base coach has got to be like, come on back. And there's just nothing. No accountability, nothing. So we're taking the Twins money line. Michael Kopech is thrown for the White Sox today. He's one of the few White Sox I can't really be mad at because he's been very good all year. That said, I think he's going to go out and pitch, pitch pretty well. I think the White Sox are going to have a god-awful approach at the plate against Chris Archer, who's been surprisingly solid this year for the Twins. Uh, I think he's going to pitch really well. I think the White Sox are going to put up a couple runs, and the Twins are going to win something like 4 or 5-2 to two when they get to the Sox bullpen. So Twins money line at plus money, I, I don't – the, the White Sox should not be favored. I know they have the benefit of the pitching matchup. They should not be favored in this baseball game. They're 16 and 22 at home. They've been awful. They're 0 and 4 against the Twins this year. And they're just playing really bad baseball. So we're going to fade the White Sox, and we are going to back Max Scherzer. Well, sad, sad day, Daniel. Sad, yeah. sad, sad day, Matthew. For you, that's all right. I was thinking about Dan. Usually, Dan's bumming me out about the break. even. Like, even it was so bad. It's it's gotten so bad that even Andy, like Andy, this morning on Slack, sent me like a. At first, it was like a you know poking fun of me message, but then he was like actually got serious and was like actually like kind of feel bad for you like it's that's, your that's tough. And it, like, your and, like even Andy got serious with me. That's how bad it's gotten for White Sox fans. So that's it. Baseball's over. That's Baseball's right. canceled this summer. What do you got, Wimbledon? Yeah, halt. We'll get to NBA futures in a second, but Wimbledon continues. Novak Djokovic right now um, actually lost the first two sets of his match. Is we're now back on serve here, so. Things are balancing out a little bit. We'll see if Novak can close it out in the fifth. On the women's side of the draw, we're just kind of chugging forward, um, having some nice matches, but have two tomorrow. Um, today we'll have Ons Jabor as the last match left. All the numbers in there look just about right. That match should be underway shortly. Um, but yeah, let's see what Novak can do here in the fifth. But two matches, two totals for tomorrow, an under and an over. Uh, Simona Halep playing Amanda Anna Samova. Uh, um, Halep and the, the Halep and Anasimova actually played, I think, about two weeks ago at this point in Bad Hamburg. Halep wiped the floor with her then, and I expect her to do the same again today. Um, thought about playing the Halep spread, thought about playing the money line, but the total here at under 21 games, and there are some 21 and a halfs out there that you can play the under at a pretty juicy number. We'd rather play the cheap 21 here. Look just like the better edge to me. I mean, Halep should take care of business here pretty quickly. Now, you know, maybe something happens. She gets hurt, a little flummox, and Anasimova can take her out, but whatever goes on here should be over in two pretty quick sets. So give me the under 21 there. And then the over, Elena Rybakina and Alia Tomlianovich. Rybakina overs have been great. So have Tomlianovich overs. 
both women are strong servers, know how to kind of reposition themselves during sets to make comebacks, you know, win set seven, five, things like that. There's a great chance we see a tiebreaker in this match. So give me the over 21 and a half there. And again, the under both of these matches will be nice and early tomorrow, two quarterfinal matches as we move through Wimbledon, one of the uh, final on Saturday. I'm excited. I, I watching the Wimbledon final. I don't, I don't obviously pay as close of attention to you guys or Andy, but the, Watching the Wimbledon final every year is one of the few tennis matches that like both of them, the men's and women's that I'm just about always in on. Like I, I'm not the biggest tennis fans. I do find a lot of the, the non-majors, you know, I, I can't really get into it too much, but there's just something about it's like the it's like Masters Sunday for casual golf fans. There's just something about the Wimbledon final that just gets me tuning into it that I always really like watching. It's a perfect time of the day. It's on a little bit later than the French Open final. But again, those are probably my two favorite. But yeah, you're right. You kind of get up, you make yourself some mimosas and stuff, and it's just a really great setting. So I'm pumped for the weekend Wimbledon finals. But we've got a draft coming up. I know we've had we the NBA draft. We're done with the NFL draft, and uh, I guess uh, what, what's left? We have the NHL draft. I, I, I I'm not going to lie to you. There's, there's not a whole. There's not going to be as much drama as the NBA draft. Um, there's not there's as many much opportunities props out there. to get it. Well, the, the, you know what? If uh, if you do what Andy did, Andy sent me a screenshot last week of like he's got 15 different bets on the NHL draft that he he knows nobody. He clearly talked to somebody who knew something and has 15 I mean, different I mean, bets. So I'm sure. And I was like, Andy, that's great for you. I'm not going to touch a lot of them. But you go to FanDuel, you go to Caesars, you go to BetMGM. They have a lot of top three props because that's kind of the most predictable, but still at this point unpredictable. The most known commodities going into, into this NHL draft. Um, so I'm going. It, it, the order for the first three, I believe, it's Montreal, New Jersey, Arizona. Uh, Shane Wright, the guy that I'm I'm taking. Uh, sorry, Yuri Slavkovsky, Shane Wright, Logan Cooley. Exact order: one, two, three at plus two thirty. Uh, Shane Wright, dating back to like last year, was seen as the consensus, like no-brainer, absolute number one pick this year. And as far as as, as recently as like a month ago. He was minus a thousand on FanDuel to be uh, to be the first overall pick. That's now down to minus three fifteen. Uh, Montreal, for whatever reason, not really sure, seems to either be getting cold feet or they're falling in love with this uh, Yuri Slavkovsky guy's big uh, goal scoring kind of. I don't want to call him a power forward, but think like a, I don't know if you know Patrick Line who plays in, in played in Winnipeg now plays in Columbus. Just a big like six four heavy body goal scorer. And I think Montreal, it sounds like, has kind of fallen in love with his upside, which he has a lot of. He's a little bit of a not quite NHL ready immediately, but he's a little bit of a, a project with high upside with a lot of goal scoring potential. It sounds like they're falling in love with him. So I, I like it plus 230 with how much, how far uh, Shane Wright's number one overall odds have dropped. Like I said, from minus like 1,000 and now minus like 300. Uh, taking this exact order because if he's if he doesn't go one, the Devils will take him at two. It would be shocking if they didn't, if he fell to three. And then Logan Cooley is pretty much the consensus number three uh, for, for Arizona there. So plus 230 for this exact order for the upset to go number one. Montreal has a history of taking some not interesting picks, but kind of falling in love with their guy, even though they, they might be taking him a little bit early. And I think we might have a case of that here. So going Slavkovsky, right, Cooley, one, two, three. That draft is Thursday night. I believe it's like five or six o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock Eastern. I think five or six o'clock my time. Um, and, and the draft order is going to be fun, but this draft is not all that loaded. The NHL draft is a great night, though, for trades. That That's when, similar to the NBA draft, similar to the NFL draft, I'm not, not sure you're going to see to the extent the NFL did it this year because that was pretty insane with, with some of the big names flying around. But this that's the, one of the two you know big 
two or three big nights a year that you can see a lot of trades, a lot of fireworks, a lot of changes happen. So the the broadcast, while it might be a little bit boring because you might not know a lot of the names play, uh, names being drafted, a lot of the names that could be swapping teams are, are worth a look. I can dig it. This one I actually found. Um, one of the offshores, BetUS, looks like they have this market up. So if you're in a legal state like I am that doesn't allow draft props, boo, Quakers. Um, you can find it in a couple spots. So start to poke around. It looks like they're actually open up. Ben online even has some props up. So we'll get some draft stuff. It's uh, it's always fun to have a draft. We love we love drafts. It is. And I, I did have I want it was figuring out what I wanted my second topic to be. I had some college f- football futures I might have wanted to talk about, might get into in the next couple of weeks. But we got a draft. We have to talk about a draft, especially after what we just did in the NBA draft. We can't then let one go by. But you do have some Absolutely. NBA props. Not we draft do. futures. I love it. NBA futures are starting to sneak out a few places. Our sponsor, our, our sponsors, sponsor FanDuel leading the way here. Um, they've opened six man of the year. They've opened most improved before everybody else. Um, there's a couple other books that have started to open up slowly, but some six man of the year prices. Um, and again, I'll probably go back through and do these once these numbers are open at offshores and some more places and do a little more formal run. But um, looking at our numbers again, these are all from our sponsor FanDuel here. There were five numbers that right off the bat stuck out to me and, and thought I had to grab pretty quickly. So we'll start with Spencer Dinwiddie here. He's um, 21 to one. He will almost certainly be the number one guy coming off the Dallas Mavericks bench and possibly have that opportunity to be the six man that finishes the game as well. So um, one of the keys to being a, a six man and, and winning that award every single year is you got You really do have to come off the bench. I mean, they really do stick to that. And what you're looking for is somebody coming off the bench, generally a veteran player um, who might possibly be a starter for another team, maybe in a different situation, but also puts up a lot of points, assists, and rebounds. These are all media awards. So let's look for our counting stats. And Dinwiddie's going to have a guy is going to be a guy who has a chance to, I think, average, you know, maybe 15 or so points off the bench with, four or five assists, four or five rebounds, and just put up a really nice stat light every night and be a, night and be a really positive player for a Mavericks team that I, I'm really, I think, going to be buying a lot um, on before the season starts here. Derek White, 40 to 1. This one now a little bit wonkier and, and maybe not as much value now that Brogdon is a Boston Celtic. We'll see what that does in terms of maybe pushing Marcus Smart to the bench. Um, so still playing this at 40 to 1. Derek White, we saw, was their sixth man from the entire postseason there. And Given what the Celtics like to do, there's still an opportunity for them maybe to move smart or even Jalen Brown or something, you know, not necessarily for Kevin Durant, but for another piece. And Derek White is right back there as your six-man candidate. So happy to take him at 40-1, to 1, although things are a little bit wonky there. DeAnthony Melton, draft night trade, moved him from the Grizzlies to the 76ers. Looks like he will be the Sixers' first guard off the bench and will have an opportunity to do a lot of great things on that Philadelphia team. Again, not only coming off the bench, but maybe even as a closing role. Grayson Allen for the Milwaukee Bucks developed a really nice six-man spot in the postseason. I think has a chance to play a lot of minutes for the Milwaukee Bucks this year as they continue to try to work their way towards building championship and saving those big three guys. Yes, they did trade for Joe Ingles, who was a top candidate for this award every single year he plays, but he's coming off a torn ACL. We probably won't see him until after All-Star break, so he won't get enough games there at such a big number, 120-1. to Give me Grayson Allen. And then Talon Horton Tucker, he's going to be the Lakers' sixth man. He's going to come off the bench. He's going to have a ton of opportunity to put up a bunch of points for a team that gets attention every single night. So 240 to one, he checks a lot of boxes for me. Again, not necessarily one of the best players, um, but we'll have an opportunity to kind of put up the eye-popping stats if the Lakers can find a way to sort of get their shit together, uh, which I hope they don't. I'd be happy to lose this bet. I like that Talon Horton Tucker pick at plus 24 or 
I was going to say plus 2,400, plus 24,000. You can make that's a lot worse there. bets at, plus, at 240 to one. So I, I know obviously six man of the year, like you were saying, means you got to, they, they stick to it. You got to pretty much come off the bench. What is like the threshold for amount of games that a guy can start where they're going to start saying he's not a six man anymore? Because obviously injuries happen in the NBA. And sometimes if you start a season as a six man and somebody had, he goes down, you fill in in the lineup. When does that, is it like 20 games that you've started where you start being not, is it kind of half the season? Where does that, do you, I'm sure there's not an actual, you know, guideline written in the, in the, the award description, but is there like a, a number where the people who decide this start to be like, eh, not really a bench player anymore. Well, there actually is a guideline, and, and you oh. do have to um, have at least half your games coming off the bench. But okay. um, let me see. On average, you know, they still play about 25, 30 minutes a game, but at least 65, 70% of their games come off the bench. Okay. Um, just looking at some other things from last year, there's the last 10 winners average 17 points, four boards, and three assists. Again, all those guys in this list can do that. Um, generally plays for a winning team. This is an award that almost always goes to one of the top two seeds in either conference. Um, and on average, again, it's generally a veteran. If you go back through and look at the history of this, you know, Jordan Clarks and Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams a couple times, Eric Gordon, J.R. Smith, um, you know, outside yeah. of really James Harden in 2012, it's almost always a veteran guy who is willing to sort of take a backup role, if you will. So that's kind of what you're looking for. And again, I think all these guys check those boxes into various degrees and just like all these numbers. So let's get started with some futures. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for it, down for it. Love I, future betting like this far in advance. I always love because one, you always kind of forget about it by the time it rolls. But like I talk myself into how I'm going to win these, like how easy this is going to be. And I'm going to talk myself into the perfect, perfect scenario. And in my head, it just makes me like, oh, this is easy. This could be this could be awesome money. I'm gonna can't wait to hit this 240 to one winner. It's gonna be great. I, I love talking to myself into futures. I love it. I think that's all we got today. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks everybody in the chat for participating. Give us a thumbs up, like all that good crap that Andy asks about all the time. And we'll be back tomorrow with Mr. Molitor. Mr. Rooney, he'll be in the background tomorrow driving driving the bus again. That's things go off the rails this week. Don't blame Dan. He's on it's vacation. All me. So we'll see you tomorrow, folks.